0: God, we want to say thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to come together for worship this morning. Lord, your name is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And Lord, as we prepare to give a revelatory word to your people today, we ask you, Lord, just to regulate our minds God and capture our hearts so that we will be focused entirely on you today. Spirit of the living God have your way in this place for we love you now and we thank you for this divine opportunity. Lord we need you in days like this. We need a revelatory rhema word from you. And so none of me, but all of you today, God. It's in Jesus' name I declare victory. All in agreement said amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no one like you, Lord. That song is so awesome. The great I am. A God who watches over his word to perform with a God who loves us, guys, unconditionally. Well, good morning to all of my EBC family and those who are. Tuning in with us today, I do count it a privilege as well as an honor uh, to have the opportunity to come in to share a word of encouragement with you today. You know, God uh, is moving in mighty ways, and I want to move with Him. <laughs> I don't want to be stuck somewhere waiting on God to move. I want to move with Him. I mean, I'm going to wait on Him when He says move, I want to move. I don't want to just stay in that corner. So I believe God is doing some unique things. Uh, in our environment today, and so we're going to trust him and know that he will provide. If you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn back to the book of Philippians, chapter number three. And we've been studying this book, uh, a book that I think is, uh, that is needful during time like this. Uh, We look at Paul, the Apostle Paul is the writer of our text. And he writes this, uh, this, uh, this particular letter from a Roman jail cell. And we've started this study a few weeks back, and I want you to just keep in mind this key thought, because when you look at this book, the key thought is this, you can have joy even in the midst of life's most difficult situation. I want you to hear me again. Listen to that, what I said. The theme of this book overall, the overarching key thought is, you can have joy even in the midst of life's most difficult and trying situations. You can still have joy. Now that's critical important. So uh, the old folks say that uh, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world cannot take it away. And I found it to be so true, no matter what's going on around us, we can have joy in the midst of our problematic situations. So we look at uh, chapter three, uh, verse number one, and we'll read it. Uh, this, this first verse really just kind of tops it all off. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord. All right, watch this now. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I need y'all to repeat that with me. Say, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. That's whatever happens. If you're sick, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. If you're facing financial difficulties, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. He says, I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. Look at verse number two. Let's read together. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Verse number three. Let's read. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Verse 4 and 5, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Verse 5, Paul says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a purebred citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. Verse 6, let's go. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Verse number seven says what? I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Amen. I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Now, guys, in chapter number one, uh, we, we talked about joy in suffering, right? And we saw Paul having a single-minded focus even as he was in the Roman jail cell. Chapter 1 dealt with joy and suffering. Chapter 2 dealt with joy in serving. Joy in serving, which means Paul had uh, a submissive mind. He was willing to submit his will to the will of God. I want to ask you that question today. Are you, during the times that we're living, in, are you still willing to submit your will to the will of God? Joy, amen, in in suffering, joy in serving, you got, you got to have a submissive mind. And thirdly, in this third chapter, we're going to deal with joy in believing. And we're going to focus on the spiritual mind. Joy in believing. And we're going to focus on the spiritual mind. Now, guys, listen to me real carefully. Uh, one of the main ways that Satan seeks to control us as believers and seeks to control the whole world, really, is by influencing our minds. He's trying to influence the way we think. Again, remember we said that Paul was single-minded in chapter number one. He had the submissive mind in chapter number two. In this third chapter, we're going to deal with the spiritual mind. So the enemy tries to, to influence us and tries to control us by influencing our thinking or influencing our mind. Remember when Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, there's a passage in there where he says we have... The responsibility of bringing every thought into obedience to Christ. Every thought that comes to our mind, guys, is not God honoring, which you all agree. I, I don't care if you say you've been saved for 50 years. You can speak in the tongues, You can read your Bible every day. But I'm going to tell you, there's some stuff that's going to come to your mind that is not in line with God's will. How do I know that? Because the devil is going to send it that way or your flesh will allow it to come that way. And so he's trying to influence our minds. I was reading this article, and I want to share a little bit of it with you because I thought it it sort of uh, of dialed into the the, the point of of what we want to speak about today, having a spiritual mind, because the enemy is is seeking to control our mind. During this pandemic that's happening, one of the things that the enemy is trying to send to the minds of believers is unhealthy fear, that destructive fear that we talked about a few weeks ago. But but this article, uh, which was uh, in a AARP uh, magazine, as a matter of fact, we uh, Maria and I get uh, members of AARP, and I, I, you all that know me know that I I I went kicking and screaming into the AARP AARP age, because I just thought that you know hey man I'm 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 uh, yeah I'm I'm fifty six now and I look like I'm 40. that's what they tell me now, oh, well okay maybe, maybe maybe I told myself that. But this, this article was interesting out of the ARP magazine. It says, please don't get emotional. Now, wh- listen, to what, listen to what happened. He says, recently, he says, this guy who wrote this article named Doug Shadell said, recently, uh, he testified as an expert witness in a criminal trial involving an 80-year-old woman who lost her entire life savings in a scam. The victim had received a credible-looking letter saying she had won $2.8 million in a Spanish lottery. She responded as the letter instructed and was contacted by a personable young man from Jamaica who confirmed the wonderful news but told her there were a few fees she had to pay before collecting her winnings. Sound familiar? It says, in time, he convinced her to transfer. Listen to this, guys. He convinced this 80-year-old woman to transfer $1 million in order to win the big prize, that of course we know never did exist. And, and this guy was talking about the fact that uh, when he arrived the night before the testimony, the prosecutor had told him uh, that, that a surprising number of potential jurors had made clear thought that the victim in these types of fraud cases bear some of the responsibility for falling for the crime. Now, uh, listen to this real carefully. The prosecutor told him that because he wanted him to be aware of what he was dealing with because some of the jury would think, well, they, she was just being greedy." Now, why could a woman who, now think about this for a second. If she had a million dollars, that mean that she must have had some wherewithal. She must have had some kind of smart, some kind of wherewithal to possess one million dollars. But what made her, Give away a million dollars to try to get 2.8 million dollars. He says that, he says, all too common, the blame goes to the victim attitude uh, and and, and it demonstrates a lack of compassion for the victim. But he says, says, put simply, scams, listen to this real carefully, he says scams are 90% about emotion. I need y'all to say emotion. 90% about emotion and 10% about intellect. He says, which is why smart people get defrauded all the time. Smart people get defrauded all the time. He says, among the victims, uh, uh, my AARP colleagues and I have interviewed of uh, late, he says, they have college professors, senior partners in law firms, people with PhDs in psychology, and even retired judges have been scammed. Now, he says, swindlers are winning today." Because they know exactly how to turn off your intellect and put you in an emotional, irrational state of mind and to keep you there. Yet many of us still believe we can think our way out of the, ch- out of the clutches of an expert scammer. Now he said here's, here's why people get, get schemed and get scammed. And this is what I want to get to because we're talking about the mind. Listen to what he says. He says, there's a large body of research in psychology known as effective forecasting, and it shows, among other things, how we as humans are horrible. I need you to say horrible with me. We as human beings are horrible, are horrible, guys. We are horrible at predicting how strong emotions affect our behavior. Now, I'm I'm going to stop right here. I'm coming back to this. because I need you to hear this. We're talking about the spiritual mind. And one of the things that the devil did through these scammers and what he does through us is to try to get us to be wrapped up in our emotions. Because he knows if he can get you to be wrapped up in your emotion. I'm just in my emotion today, baby. When you're in your emotion today, you are subject to do something that's not spiritual. (laughs) Can I get five witnesses out there that can help me? Emotions a man will cause you to not be spirit-minded. The guy says 90% of scams is is getting you to be emotional. Are y'all with me today? He says this lack of self-awareness creates a false notion that you can handle yourself logically in most any situation. But generally that isn't so. He says con artists know this. So, So for decades they told us that their number one objective is to get the target Into a heightened emotional state that they refer to as ether. I never heard that term before, but they they refer to it as ether. He says, as one convicted swindler told us just before reporting to prison, he told him this, he says, I like to keep my victims up in this in the altitude of ether because if they ever drop down into the valley of logic, I've lost them. Ether can cause the thinking part of the brain, which is the neocortex. The thinking part of our brain is the neocortex. It says, ether, when you're in that heightened emotional state, it can cause that part of your brain to be literally swamped by the emotional part of your brain. The emotional part of your mind, which is the, which is the am- amygdala. The amygdala is the emotional part of your brain. It says, think about this. Think, think about this for a second. He says, the first time you fell in love. Now, how many of y'all remember your first love? Come on, I need y'all to go with me today. How many of y'all remember your first love? The first time whether you were 15 or 16 or 18 or 19 or 25 or 30, the first time you fell in love, you went slap crazy. What what I mean. In other words, the thinking part of your brain was was, was nowhere to be found. That person who you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, you don't even know where they are now. But while your, your, your emotional part took over your brain, you did some stuff that you know that was not really it wasn't smart to put it lightly. There's an old R and B song back in the day that says, Too busy thinking about my baby, and I ain't got time for nothing else. When you first fall in love, uh, f- for the first time, that emotional state takes over, you don't even think straight. And that's what the enemy tries to get us to be as believers. He wants us to be all riled up emotionally. He wants fear to overtake us during this time. He wants us to, to, to he wants greed to overtake us, and that, that emotional side of that brain will swap with the intellect. It's trying to help us to do, which is to make good godly decisions. And so, so, think about this for a second. Interesting enough, these scammers said this, and I'm, I'm going to move on after this. He says, the scammers said this is pr- pr- precisely why there has been an explosion of romance scams over the past two years. Froster's these, these scammers flock to dating sites. All you that are on dating sites now, I'm not. I'm not knocking anything. If that's where you think you need to go, then go that way. But I don't think it's very wise. That's just me personally. Okay, I, I ain't saying it's unbiblical. I'm not saying you lost if you do. But listen to what the scammers are saying. They said that 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 they flock to dating websites and describes it as fishing in a barrel because of all the lonely men and women desperate to find their soulmate online. This guy says, I recall interviewing a couple of years, uh, interviewing a, a, a couple of years ago, a romance scammer who, who, who said, and he asked him this question, he says, how many of the people you targeted online were lonely? And he said, every single one of them. And so when you're lonely, and then now you think you get ready to check, uh, get together with that, 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 love you've been looking for. And all of a sudden you thinking part of your brain goes away. Go back to that first love. When you found out that guy wasn't who you thought he was, everybody was trying to tell you he's not who you think he is. But you wouldn't listen. Why? Because the emotional part of your brain just swamped the viral cortex, which is the thinking part of your brain. Our minds were messed up. So the enemy tries to get us to not Amen, allow God's word to penetrate our mind. He wants us to be emotional. Now, we all are made, we're emotional beings, but we shouldn't be driven solely by our emotions. All right? So let's get back to the text. Let's, let's move a little bit here. Now, again, uh, 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 one of the main ways that Satan seeks to control us is by influencing our minds. Circumstances and people can rob us of joy. Circumstances and people can rob us of joy, but so can things. And it is this thief. Things that Paul deals with in Philippians, the third chapter. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in things. Am I right about it? Hey, guys, when this pandemic first started, there was no need for, for everybody to go to the grocery store and, and take all the tortillas that they had. Buy up all the, the, the paper towels. You're coming out with a buggy full of meat. Huh? But people, because of the emotional side of the brain, amen, fear, and and scammers will use fear, and the devil certainly uses fear, to drive us to make irrational decisions and irrational choices. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in those things. It's easy for us to get wrapped up in things, not only the tangible things that we can see, but also the intangible, such as reputation, fame and achievement, what people think about me, I want to be famous and that type of thing. That's why a lot of people are attracted to social media because they want people to like them. They want people to like them. All right. So we got to be very careful, guys. We talking about the spiritual mind. So, so, but, Pastor, what are you getting at? What, what are you trying to say? What is Paul talking about here? Let's let's go through the scripture text, right, away, if y'all will with me. Verse number one. Let's read it one more time. Verse number one. And the first point I want you to uh, keep in mind as we deal with the spiritual mind, is number one you got to guard yourself. And we may not even get past this first point today, but because I want to, I want to, I want to make sure we get this. Because here's what I've discovered: many believers are suffering. Many believers are not living the abundant life. Many believers are not fulfilling their God ordained destiny because we have. We have negated walking with a spiritual mindset. We've negated walking with a single-mindedness. We've negated walking with a submissive mindset. And so as a result, the enemy can manipulate and control us and get us to make decisions and choices that are not in line with God's will. But go back to verse number one. We're talking about guard yourself, okay? Verse number one says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Man, when I... I've read this passage before, but whenever I read it again this morning and, and last night when I was studying and early on in the week, that just jumped off the page at me, Jan. It says, Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Now, how many of you all sitting there listening to my voice can say, Brother Pastor, I'm going to obey that? If you lose a loved one through the, avenue of, through the avenue of death, can you still rejoice? If you're in a financial bind, can you still rejoice? If you have a relationship breakup, can you still rejoice? Or will you go into a state of depression and withdrawal? He says, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. So, so, the first thing we'll talk about is guarding. You got to guard yourself. Guard yourself. Guard yourself. Guard yourself. So, how, how do we guard ourselves? Well, number one, We do it by rejoicing in the Lord, by rejoicing in the Lord. That's how we guard ourselves. A person, hear me carefully, a person who is always rejoicing in the Lord will not go astray. All right. As believers walking through life, two things are always confronting us. We got circumstances and we got false teaching. Everybody say circumstances and false teaching. All of us going to have something that we have to deal with. Some circumstances are favorable and some are unfavorable. So as you walk through life, know this, that we're going to face circumstances. We're going to face situations. No one saw and then no one predicted that we'll be at the state that we're in right now. But we're here. It's a certain situation. It's a circumstance. It is something that we got to deal with. So 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 a person who's always rejoicing in the Lord won't go astray when they face a certain false teaching or some circumstance in life that may be unpleasant. No matter where we go, the trials of life, both minor and major, will confront us and we have to stand face to face with the various trials of life, including stuff like temptation. Including lust of the flesh, including lust of the eyes, including greed, selfishness, arguments, divisions, death, accidents, disease, etc. All that stuff is a part of life in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it brought sin into the earth realm. But God, knowing, amen, that God is a God who always looks ahead, he, he, He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, even after mankind fell in the garden, God had a plan to bring man back to himself. He had a plan already in place to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the, sin, to, to die on the cross for your sins so that you could have a right to come into a personal relationship with God. But, but, but as a result of the fall in the garden, we live in a sinful world. And in a sinful world, you'll have sickness, you'll have disease, you'll have wrongdoing. So those are things that we got to deal with. When a person rejoices in the Lord, now again, we're talking about God yourself, number one, by rejoicing in the Lord. When a person rejoices in the Lord, his mind is focused on the Lord, upon what the Lord has done for him. And guys, let me tell you something. A mind, if you're rejoicing and your mind is focused on the Lord and upon what the Lord has done for you, you and I both know that a mind cannot be two places at one time. Let me say it again. Your mind can't be two places at one time. There's an old song, and I'm just paraphrasing the word. It said, you, you, you're here with me, but your mind is across town. See, so you can't, you can't, you can't be in, your mind can't be focused on two things at the same time. I, I need to, I, I need to, to ask uh, some husbands out there that they'll listen to me because husbands, how many of y'all have ever, uh, uh, been out there and, and been guilty of trying to watch the football game and listen to your wife at the same time? I need three witnesses out there. How many of y'all have been guilty of trying to watch the game and hold a conversation with your wife at the same time? I'm going to raise my hand guys. I've been guilty. Especially if the game is good and my wife wants to talk. And it seems like i, I, I it just seems like to me I ain't say it was, but it seems like to me the conversation wants to start at the time that the game is getting real good. The conversation wants to start when it's too many left, too many left in the fourth quarter, and my favorite team is driving for the winning score, and then we want to have a conversation about something. Maybe that's just me. But here's what I discovered, and I tried, I tried to, to watch the game and listen at the same time. I did my very best, y'all. I listen, I thought I I thought I had it, it until she asked me, What did I just say? Oh Lord, I'm I'm dead, I'm dead in the water then. Because my mind and your mind cannot be at two places at the same time. Can I get a witness? If it's on the Lord and his glorious salvation and and, and his goodness to you, then it cannot be upon the trials and the false teachings that are going on in this world. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. The great thing that rejoicing does is this. It places and keeps a person in the presence of Christ. Okay, it places and keeps a person in the presence of Christ. No matter what confronts the believer, no matter how terrible the trial, he knows that he's being looked after by Christ Jesus, his Lord. He knows that nothing can separate him from the Lord and His love. That he shall never die but live eternally. I want y'all to go with me, if you will. Let's look at uh, Romans the eighth chapter. See, as a believer, we should know that whatever comes upon us can never conquer and overcome us. Christ will give us supernatural power and strength to overcome whatever's coming on. It, it, he'll give us supernatural power and strength to overcome this global pandemic. Now, Guys, I, I, want, I want to say this and I want to share this again because uh, sometimes we get into a state of fear. And, and again, one of the things that, that in that article the scammers uh, will use, they'll use fear to drive you to make a decision. Because remember, the very the cortex is the thinking part of your brain. And the amygdala is the emotional part of your brain. So if somebody can get you into the emotional part of your brain, you'll stop thinking. Hello? When you're at work and you get into the emotional side of your brain, you get all upset and you decide you're going to quit. The vortex said, wait, 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 wait. You got a mortgage to pay. Wait, 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 wait. You got miles to feed at home. Why don't we go and find another job first before we quit this one? The emotional side of your brain, if we're not careful, the enemy will try to get us to that state. They call it the state of ether, where we are emotionally all balled up. And he wants to get us there because he knows that our mind will not be on word. Can I get a witness? Watch what Romans 8, 35 and 39 says. So so we, we're going to guard ourselves by rejoicing in the Lord because if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, that means that my mind is focused on him. He's saying this song, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. I'm walking and talking with my mind stayed on Jesus. Ain't no harm to keep your mind stayed on Jesus. That means that I'm focused on him and what he's doing in my life and his goodness. But watch what Paul said in Romans 8. chapter. Let's read. Can anything... Ever separate us from Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we, watch this, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does that mean he don't love love us? Look at verse number 36. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. 37, watch this. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Okay, 38 and 39, let's read. And I am convinced, look at what Paul says here. Now, this is St. Paul who writes this letter to the church at Philippi who's in a, in a Roman jail, yet he's got joy. Now, remember, what do we, what do we say? The key thought in this, in this book is you can have joy even in the midst of life's most difficult circumstances, and how many of y'all would agree that we're in a difficult circumstance nowadays? But I don't mean that you shouldn't have joy. That does not mean you should be overwhelmed with your emotional side of your thinking that you are walking around in fear. Take precautions, but God, let me tell you something. I have not one day since this pandemic started have I walked in destructive fear. That don't mean I'm being foolish. It's just that I got a calmness about myself. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding. That's keeping my heart and mind through Christ. Now, my question to you today is, is that peace reigning with you? Because God, listen, I'm I'm like the apostle Paul. Now, listen, I'm I'm not looking to go today, but if the Lord take me home today, I'm like Paul. For me to die is gain. Did you all hear that? For me to die is gain. And he says, for me to stay here is needful and useful for you. So, so I win either way it goes. So, guys, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. Watch this. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, n- neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can do what? Separate us from God's love. Verse 39. Let's read it. It says what? No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. What? Our Lord in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So 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 we say the the first thing we're going to do is we going to guard ourselves, guard yourself. And we do that by number one by rejoicing. Second thing that we do is is by taking heed to what's written in the scripture. All right. Now, now, you know, rejoice. I want to give you some I I want to look at two or three passages of scripture because I want you to focus on this because God gave us his word. Amen. As to 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 feed us and to help us develop and grow as Christians. Listen to me very carefully. You as a born again believer will not grow in your faith if you have no word time. Let me repeat that. I know you go to church. I know you sing in the choir. I know you usher on the usher board. I know you go and work at the homeless shelter, but you will not grow as a believer if you have no word time. Scripture says as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow the Bible." So you sit and listen to me and, and you know for a fact, you know, come on, you know, let's be honest, you know that you really don't spend much time in God's word. Now you're willing to talk about it, but you're not spending any time in it. And so if, if, if I need word to grow, but I'm not spending any time in word, then I'm not going to grow. So so rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord can help us to guard ourselves. Listen to what Scripture says. We're going to roll through several of them right quick. Look at Luke, the 10th chapter, verse number 20. As it relates to rejoicing, we'll go to our next point. Guard yourself by rejoicing in the Lord. You need All of us, I need, you need to guard yourself during this time period that we're living in because the enemy is trying to get you into that emotional side of your brain. I need everybody out there listening to me to raise your hand high. If you've ever made a decision because you were overly emotional and that decision that you made was not a wise choice, it was was a choice that, Probably led you to an unhealthy or uh, a not a very pleasant situation. Anybody ever did it before? Because you, you, you let the emotional side of your brain, the amygdala, overtake the varicortex, which is your logic, your thinking, and you made a choice and decision that you're like, man, I wish I could have that back. Watch this, guys. See, when we rejoice in the Lord, it keeps our mind focused on Him, all right? It keeps you focused on Him. Look, look what Jesus said. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. He's talking to the disciples. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So I can rejoice because my name as a born again believer is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Go to go to John fifteen eleven. I I, I I can rejoice because I know that I'm saved, not because of my goodness, but because of what Jesus did for me. Luke 15 and 11. Watch, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy, Jesus said, will overflow. Now, my question to you today as a born-again believer, is your joy overflowing right now? Is your joy full? Look at this next one. Go to Philippians 4 and 4. Philippians 4 and 4, talking about rejoicing in the Lord. Let the words, let the scripture sink sink in. Philippians 4 and 4 always, wait, wait, wait. always, always, always means that at no point in time should I not be full of joy. Doesn't mean I won't deal with stuff. Don't mean I won't go through periods. But it says always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. There it is. I like this lesson. First Peter, the fourth chapter, verse number 12 and 13. All I'm doing right now is I'm trying to let the scripture speak. Because if you're going to guard yourself during these turbulent times that we live in, the first thing we said is you got to do it by what rejoicing in the Lord. Look at what Peter says here. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As he writes this letter, he's writing to some saints who are facing persecution because of their stand for Christ. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Look at verse number 13. Let's read together. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Now, see, there is a theology out there that I think is it's wayward theology that says as a child of God that that, that you won't go through anything. That 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 as a child of God that that you're the head not to tail, you're above and not beneath. So because you're the head not the tail and above and not beneath, that you don't you you're gonna conquer and you're gonna be over everything, baby. That's that there's some stuff that will come to your life that will knock you backwards. But while you're being knocked backwards, you gotta come back forward. Because as I learn to rejoice, and even if I go through a tough time, I know that God is there with me. No trial, no situation, no circumstance can keep me from rejoicing in the Lord. Because I got a promise, guys. Watch what it says. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Look at this next verse. Watch this. He says, so be happy. No. Come on, guys. Watch this. So be happy. What? Come on. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all got happy when somebody insulted you because you stand for Christ? How many of y'all at the family reunion when you refused to drink, when you refused to cuss, when you said that's not right, uh, when you said, I love your brother, but I can't go there with you. How many of you sitting there were willing to, to, to count it a jo- all joy when you were insulted because of your stand for Christ? Look what we says. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian. For then the glory spirit of God rests on you. Right? So, so we're going to guard ourselves by rejoicing. The second thing I'm going to do we're going to rejoice. Uh, We're going to guard ourselves by taking heed to what is written in the scripture. Go back to uh, Philippians, the third chapter, verse number one. We're going to look at the B part, by taking heed to what's written in the scripture. When it says take heed, that means I hear, I understand, and I do. I hear, I understand intellectually and spiritually, and I do because the spiritual mind Come on now, that's what Paul is dealing with in his third chapter. The spiritual mind understands the things of God. Watch this, okay? If you will, let's go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to do what? To safeguard your faith. Now, no, Paul says that he is writing some things that he had apparently written before. Now, if y'all listen to me preach for a long period of time, I'm going to repeat some stuff because I'm going to keep repeating until you start doing it. Look at me. Until all of us in here start doing it, I'm going to keep repeating what the word of God says, which means that I'm going to be keep preaching until the rapture comes. Watch this. Paul says that he's, he's writing some things that he had apparently written before. What he's about to write is so important that it's got to be repeated. Listen to me very carefully. The church must do what is being said. I'm reading these scriptures because when it says you ought to be happy when you're insulted for your stand for Christ. But many of us, if we're really honest about it, we want so many people to like us that we're not happy when somebody says something negative about us because we stood up for what was right. Maybe I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to reign with Christ, you've got to be willing to suffer with him. All right. If you're going to reign with him, you have to be willing to suffer with him and suffer because of your your faith. Listen, uh, there are going to be some times when you're going to you're going to be attacked because of what you believe. The point is this, guys: the writings of Paul in the Scripture and, and, and all other authors in Scripture must be taken heed to. Taking heed means that I'm willing to do it. What did James one and twenty two say? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. How many times have you went to church, heard a message that dealt with your individual situation, but you walked right out of there, heard that word, but did nothing about what you heard? And I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, I'm not just interested in having a church full of people. I and God want a church full of disciples. A a, a disciple is a born-again believer who's learned in the things of God And it's following those things up in their everyday living, okay? So, so says whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. So we got to be we got to be doing what Scripture says was written to, and whatever's written in Scripture was written to instruct and to help us in pressing on for Christ Jesus. No person can press on apart from heeding the Scriptures, doing what the Word says. Please don't deceive yourself, and we do it all the time, guys. We, 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 we think we're farther along than we really are and we'll fool ourselves into thinking that we're really trying to serve God but if we're not doing what his word says, I got news for you. You're not really serving him. James 1 and 22 says, I'm going to repeat it, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And when we hear word but don't do word, we are deceiving our own self. The devil ain't got nothing to do with it. It's us deceiving our own self, making us think that we are farther along than what we really are. But we come to church every Sunday, but we don't do what the Word says in every aspect of our life. Amen. So, so uh, the Word: No person can press on apart from taking heed to the Scripture. If if you fail, if you and I fail to study and obey the Scripture, we're going to cave in. Uh, to these trials or this false teaching that's going around. Amen? Only as we obey the scripture, the commands of the Lord, can we show our love and loyalty to the the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember in Matthew the fourth chapter? Uh, And and go there right with the verse number one, Matthew four and one. I'm going to read this real quickly. This is the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness. And I always like to go here because what this tells me is, is that if Jesus needed to do this if Jesus needed to know word in order to face down temptation. What about you? Oh, you're so strong you don't need word. You're just gonna use your mind. I'm gonna fake it through. No, 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 the devil will wear you out. Watch what the text says. It's amazing to me how we as human beings think that we're so smart that we can out trick God. We're smarter than God. Scripture tells us that it's the word that helps us to grow. Now, if Jesus used Bible and scripture to counteract the devil's onslaught, how do you think you're going to make it without scripture? Come on. How do you think you're going to make it? If Jesus did it, watch what the text says. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Look at verse number number two. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said, now the devil came during the time what he was fasting and he was hungry. The devil knows how to, how to try to prick at us and try to get at us, amen? He's watching our lives in a lot of cases. During this time, the devil came and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse four, but Jesus told him, well, you know, Dev, I just don't feel like that's the right thing to do. You know, Dev, you know, I I just, I don't know. I don't know. No, no. KJV says, he said, it is written. NLT says, no, the scriptures say. Anytime the enemy comes at you with temptation, anytime your flesh, your own flesh rises up, you need to be able to say, I need to be able to say, the scriptures say, it is written. It is written. But if I don't know what's written, guys, I'm at a distinct disadvantage when I'm under attack by the enemy. And too many Christians sitting in our churches don't know what's written and trying to do battle with the enemy. You cannot you will not be successful over a prolonged period of time if you don't have word on the inside. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Verse number five. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, to to the highest point of the temple. Next verse says what? And said, if you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say, now here goes the devil. Oh, the devil said, okay, you're going to quote scripture, so I'm going to quote some too. I'm going to quote it, but I'm going to quote it a little bit differently than what it actually says. The devil, look at how the devil tried to trace after Jesus. Jesus used the word, so the devil said, I'm going to use word, but I'm going to... I'm going to conflict it. I'm going to misquote it. I'm going to say it in a way that's not really what's in line with God's scripture. He did that in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? When he was when he was facing Eve. He, he misquoted scripture. He does it again. If you are the son of God, jump off what the scripture say? He will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. What does he just say? Jesus responded. The scriptures also say, some of y'all, are talking, I don't know, You just just leave me alone, devil. No, no, you better get some word. The scripture also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Okay, let's go, verse number eight. Why? Next the devil took him into the peak of the very high mountain and showed him the kingdom of the world and all that. Now, don't think for one section that Jesus was not tempted. The Bible says he was tempted. That means If, if I'm not capable as a human being of being tempted, then the Bible just lied. Jesus was fully God, yet the man side of him faced temptation. The Bible says he was, he was tempted in every point as we are as mankind, but yet without sin. That means that every temptation that we face, Jesus faced. I mean, every last one of them. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too yet without seeing it. He says, I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. And watch verse, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say. Now here you are out there with your, with your kingdom building self, don't know no word. And here Jesus is putting word out to the enemy. <laughs> but you feel like you're strong enough to handle him because you're just a good person. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. Use the word to renew your mind. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So so the second point we said is uh, we're going to guard ourselves, first of all, by by doing what? By rejoicing in the Lord. And second, by taking heed to what the scriptures say. Go with me right quick to 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. And in this passage here, Paul is writing to his young protege in the ministry by the name of Timothy. And you guys know, as a matter of fact, before I get to 16, back up to verse number one. Let's look at verse number one real quickly. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Got to get out of here. Got to get you out of here. You should know this, Timothy. Paul writing to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. And he says, Timothy, you should know this, that in the last days, There'll be very difficult time. The last day period began with the ascent, death, burial, resurrection of Christ and his ascension back up into heaven. We're in the last day period. I believe we personally, I believe we're in the latter, latter part of the last day. No man knows the day nor the hour, but every man should be able to discern the times. God in his word gave us signs of the time. So I don't know what all God is doing through, through this pandemic. I do know one thing. He's forcing the church to do church life differently. As I told you before, we've been talking about, we've been preaching, the building is not the church. I saw somebody with a t-shirt on, I think, it's, I may buy me one and says the church has left the building. Just like Elvis left the building, I guess. The church has left the building. So, the true church is not the, if, here's where a lot of us are having problems. Because we were so Sunday morning centric, and our whole Christianity was just wrapped up on doing stuff on Sunday that many of us are lost because we figure like, we figure, like, well, well, what's the church going to do? The church going to keep being the church because it was never about the building. So I believe God, even through this process, and I'm not saying God sent it, but I know what he could use it. Through this process, God is forcing the church to focus on being the church outside of the, the four walls of the building, Okay. You should know this, Timothy. that in the last day there will be very difficult time. Verse number two, let's read together. It says, "What well, for people will love only themselves and their money. Ain't that true, y'all? I said ain't. I know that's grammatically incorrect, but ain't that true? It says, they will be boastful and proud. Come on, we see it all the time. Scoffing at God. I mean, it boggles my mind the, 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 the way that some people in this world come against the church. When we stand for what we believe in, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. This is the climate and the element during the last days, y'all. Verse number three, read it. It says what? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what's good. Verse number four, they will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love, pleasure rather than God. Verse five, they will act religious. Watch this. Here, 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 here. Here we go. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Paul told Timothy to do what? Stay away from folks like that. Stay away from people like that. Now, skip out to verse number 16. This is where I want to get to. But so, so he's, he's dealing with this last day climate and how people are going to be. But notice what he says in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. What does that? Scripture inspired by God is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our life. Because, guys, sometimes we think stuff is right and it's not right. We think we should do this, but the word says do this. It makes us realize what is wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. So my question to you today is, all right, if you're sitting out there as a Christian and the Bible and the scripture tells us that the, that the word of God teaches us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong and it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. So you're sitting there as a Christian, but you have no time in word. You, you, Bible study, Bible reading, uh, coming to discipleship training uh, was not something that you engaged in. So how are you going to know what's right and what's wrong? Is it any wonder why some of our churches are messed up and have no power. Because by and large, we have people who are part of the church. I'm not saying you're not saved, but you're not being relative nor effective because you're not allowing the word of God to direct your decision making. You're making it based off the emotional side of your brain. You're in your feelings. And you're making decisions out of your little feelings. Let the word have its perfecting work. It teaches us what is true and make us realize what is wrong. Okay? So, so uh, we're going to guard ourselves by number one, we said what? By what? By rejoicing in the Lord because if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, that means that my mind, which can't be thinking on two things at the same time, my mind is on the Lord, that means I'm not focusing on what my circumstances, I got to deal with them, understanding, but I'm not allowing them to cloud my judgment because I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm singing songs of gladness. I'm not, I'm not singing the blues. See, when you, listen, what you take into your ear gate and your eye gates and what you hear, even songs that we listen to can affect our emotional state. Do y'all realize that? Hello? You put on, put on a good love ballad, all you married folks out there. And see how that, uh, Chad, affects the way you look at day. Mm-hmm. Words have power. And if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, if I'm taking heed to Him and, I'm, and my mind is on Him, then, then my mind is not saturated with my problem. He's the one who's my problem sovereign. Amen? Now, all right, so, but second of all, we guard ourselves by taking heed to what's written in the scripture. Thirdly, by watching out for false teachers. Look at verse number two of Philippians. By watching out for false teachers, glory to God. Text says, "Watch out for those dogs." Now again, when we look at this passage here, oftentimes uh, Jews and Gentiles called each other dogs, and it, it was not the kind of dog that you have in your house, or the little pet that's running around the house. They were talking about these 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 wild dogs, these scavengers that run around uh, the city, out in the woods, and uh, it, it was not a term of endearment. But they would call each other dogs. It's those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Watch this. Next verse is what? Uh, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Watch. Stop right there. Now, the the problem with the Judaizers Paul uh, oftentimes dealt with this group that's called the Judaizers. They were Jews who had embraced Christianity. But their embracement of Christianity said that it's Jesus plus keeping the law. It's Jesus plus observing certain holy days. It's Jesus plus having certain dietary restrictions. It's Jesus plus being circumcised. Amen. Uh, Paul had a consistent problem with this group and these Jews were mixing faith and law. These Jews said you must keep the Old Testament law to be saved and sanctified. They tried to combine faith and works as a way of getting right and staying right with God. Now, in spreading that message, guys, they were actually undermining the ministry of Paul and the truth of the gospel, which is a message of grace, not law keeping. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is to get to God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm not saved based on how good I am and what I do. But these Judaizers were saying, your salvation and your sanctification is predicated on you being circumcised and keeping this other stuff that that was a part of the Mosaic law. That really, when Christ died on the cross, all that stuff became obsolete. Can I get a witness? Watch out, hear me carefully, guys. Watch out for any system of theology that says we must earn our standing with God. The stuff that we do, like going to church, like reading our Bibles, praying and giving. We need to do all that stuff, but that will not help us to earn the right standing with God. Now, 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 listen, we ought to do those things, but our right standing with God comes through faith, amen, for by grace are we saved through faith that not of ourselves it's the gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. So I can't boast on how good I am and what all I did and get in right standing with God. The only way I can be in right standing with God is I got to receive the sacrificial death of Christ I don't care if he's healed, as the mechanism that puts me in right standing with God. So, so watch out for those who try to teach and to say you got to do this, you got to do that in order to be right with God. Those things we should do, but our doing them should flow out of us having a relationship with them already. And trusting and knowing that by receiving Christ, That's how I get in right standing with God. The Judaizers highlighted circumcision, but that ritual and all things similar to that was made obsolete by the death of Christ. God gave us right standing with him only through the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Last point, I got to let you go. So let's go back to review. So we said uh, the first thing is uh, if we're going to guard ourselves, we we do it first of all by rejoicing in the Lord, right? Second thing we do is what? What do we say? By taking heed to what's written in the scripture. Now, you keep coming to church, but you ain't doing what the word say. When once we learn what scripture says, we are obligated to be obedient to that. Third thing we said was what? By watching out for false teachers, false doctrine. Now I'm not going to know it's false unless I get in my word and study truth. I don't have to go around studying all the false if I study the truth. Whenever false comes up, it's going to show itself as being false because it doesn't line up with truth. And last thing, last thing. By knowing that you are true, you are the true spiritual circumcision. You guard yourself by knowing that you are the true spiritual circumcision. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 3. We're going to close out on this one. Talk about the spiritual mind. We're going to pick back up on next week. Come back next week as we keep unpacking this third chapter. He says, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are what? Truly circumcised. Remember, the Judaizers were, were making circumcision of the male sex organ as a sign of covenant with God. But that went away when Christ nailed the law to the cross. So he says, for we are who worship by the spirit of God, are the ones who are truly circumcised. And it, it's a circumcision of the heart. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in. In human effort. So, to worship by the Spirit means to relate to God based on God's standard and not on standards that we make up. That's why living in the Spirit is also living according to the Word. I'm going to live by God's standard. So, guys, in times like these, we need the spiritual mind. There's joy in believing in Christ Jesus. And as we have the spiritual mind, rather than making our decisions based off off of the spiritual mind, rather than emotions, then we're going to see ourselves living victoriously in this life.